What's Good Podcast. Are you ready? Your number one source. To all the keys in the industry. With Brianna Javon. It's the What's Good Podcast. What's Good Hello guys and gals, this is your girl Brianna Javine here for another episode of What's Good Podcast. This is episode 11 and thank you guys so much for tuning in. As you know, What's Good Podcast brings you all the smartest entrepreneurs and also the talented artists here in Dallas. Today we have another special guest. His name is Harry Kennedy. Go ahead and say hey. Hello everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, as you guys know, we always start off with an icebreaker, just to cool down the nerves, just to, you know, get into the spirit. So I have two icebreakers for you. Okay. I know that you're a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted to get, pick your brain about this particular subject. What is your best secret for getting through a Monday? Hmm. As we all know, Mondays can be very hard. Mondays are very rough. <laughs> so best secret... I think the easiest way is to start start on Sunday, but if mm. I would have to choose another secret is that you want to, if you know everyone else is going to be getting through like their emails from the weekend mm-hmm. on the start of the day, start your emails maybe around like 10 a.m., mm-hmm. skip the lunchtime, then like 1 p.m. So really focus on times when people are getting through their normal backlog of emails or backlog of activities mm-hmm. and they have some time to actually be responsive to what you're doing so okay. that's my little secret and so when you said get started on sunday i kind of want to elaborate on that what because i know you don't want to do anything major on sunday so what yeah. would you get started on on sundays i think easiest thing is just check your calendar for the week okay so, so you'll know what's coming up exactly i'm mm-hmm. when you start moving around and trying to do too much mm-hmm. like that's the always the thing you miss is you know what's on your calendar for the week what should be on your calendar for the week and just take some time to like slowly think about um, what's going to be coming up so i do that quite often especially mm-hmm. like the wednesday thursdays is where i usually trip up on mm-hmm. and so if i feel good knowing like the my end of my week is like good and solid and sort of aimed out and fleshed out mm-hmm. then i can basically start the first day and be like okay if mondays are going to be slow for me at least i know that i got stuff coming out at the end of the week that i can get ready for Nice. Yeah. I like it. Okay, prioritizing. <laughs> All right. And so my second one, if money wasn't in consideration, what new skill or hobby would you pick up? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, I think it would be a new language. Really? Yeah. I want to say reading, but I feel like I still want to make time, prioritize time for reading. So mm-hmm. I think a new language would be what I'd really dive into. Okay, well, you already know my part two about this question. Right. What language? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I'm going to toss up between Chinese and Japan, the Japanese. Nice. So Mandarin or Japanese. I like it. Yeah. Do you so, uh, speak any other languages right now? I did French in high school. Okay. I actually kept some of the basic stuff so I can like piece together what people are saying. Mm-hmm. And then I did, like, Chinese for Mandarin for about two weeks. Okay. And then went to China and then tried to use it. But it's, mm-hmm. like, the most one that is most recent on my mind. So Got it. Yeah. That's so interesting. All righty. So about to get into the interview. Mm-hmm. I usually call it a genuine conversation. Yeah. I just wanted, you know, us to just vibe out. And so let's start with you introducing yourself. Let the people know who you are. Okay. So... My name is Harry Kennedy. 
I am born and raised in upstate New York, Rochester. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people are from New York here, but you usually have to claim <laughs> upstate because when they ask you what borough, and you're like, uh, Rochester, they just start clowning you. So Yikes. I'm claiming probably upstate New York. Okay. And I'm here by way of um, engineering. So I went to Ohio mm-hmm. State for engineering. Worked at a couple of companies, including Texas Instruments. And I really jumped into entrepreneurship through my company called Hack Electronics. Mm-hmm. Basically, we break down science, technology, engineering, and math, which is STEM, for students. But we've learned that not only are we teaching engineering, but we're teaching confidence mm-hmm. and competence using mm-hmm. technology as a tool. Okay, I like yeah. it. All right, so um, I know you mentioned Texas Instruments. That's what you were doing before you went full on hack electronics, right? Yeah, that was like my nine to five. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going out of college, having that first full time job, an engineering job, nonetheless, it's mm-hmm. like you felt like you made it. Right. Um, you're really real. excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're really excited. I was checking out what kind of car I was going to buy, where mm-hmm. I'm going to live. Like, no, I don't want to live there. I want to live in a nice place, uptown. Right. And really starting to, like, line up, you know, all the things I'm going to ready to buy, where to save, where to just save the world and do all that stuff, you know, first mm-hmm. year out of college. Right. <laughs> but after a while of just going through, um, not only, you know, work is going to be work. There's always right. going to be some challenges to it, even if you enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But just getting a feel for, you know, what um, I really want to commit to, that's where I started to really think about what other opportunities are there besides corporate world. What other opportunities could I dive into and lean into a little bit more? And so that's how I really started to look at entrepreneurship as a um, a platform to really figure out and shape what I want to do in my life. Okay. When was that moment you knew in your head, like, this full time is not for me. I'm gonna go ahead and move forward with doing a, being an entrepreneur all 24/7. Forget this Texas Instruments. I'm just gonna do my what I want to do 100. Yeah. Um. So the funny thing about me is like I'm very impulsive, mm-hmm. and I can be very random at times. Okay. So I'm gonna preface it by that. But um, while I was going through my First year was good. Second year, I was doing really well. Mm -hmm. Um, Had some opportunities within the company and really started to, you know, get a groove of things. Mm -hmm. But around that third year, I started feeling, you know, that commitment. I know usually with going through high school, going through college, you really had about four years of it before it's already like, okay, next thing's coming up. So you go through high school, okay, college's coming up. Mm -hmm. College. Back to back. Right. Your next (laughs) your job's coming up. Mm -hmm. So being in the job about three years, I was starting to get that feeling that just naturally said, am I going to commit to this? Is this what I'm going to be doing long term? And a couple of friends and I would always, you know, have lunch and we started just brainstorming about what other things can we do? You know, we're getting tired of our jobs and some aspects of it how can we start really setting ourselves up so they would always talk about entrepreneurial um, endeavors whether it's like you know things like stocks and um, starting Mm -hmm. businesses Mm -hmm. but you know they were I don't know where they had the money but they had money (laughs) so (laughs) my one friend bought a business I was like nope can't do that (laughs) other friend um, he started this uh, this like men's skincare product okay and I was like definitely can't do that <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a third friend actually was doing something called dog hydration so you wouldn't mm. think it was actually a thing but then mm-hmm. you think of how many people have uh dogs it's um, huge 
Huh? It's a huge business for real. Yeah, people love their dogs. If you That's ever go to Uptown crazy. and watch people running with their dogs, feeding yes. them like ice cream and stuff, like they yeah. really get excited about them. It's like their kids. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, especially why people. <laughs> so that like. wasn't an option either? Oh. <laughs> no, that definitely wasn't an option. So I was like, dang, mm-hmm. can't do all that, but I'm interested in diving into this. I want to sort of have that same discussion on that level. Okay. So I looked into, you know, entrepreneurship and leading into something that I'm actually good at. So mm-hmm. I really um, enjoy working with kids and mm-hmm. building up a relationship as far as understanding how do you connect using the technology again as a tool mm-hmm. and so someone asked me to come speak to their um to their students about what i do and why i chose engineering right. and i was like okay but i'm gonna do one better i'm gonna give them an activity to focus on something that they not only can work on but they can take home with them and mm-hmm. so that really started um that mindset of we created a a simple board that would just light up different colors and change colors that they can control themselves. Mm-hmm. But seeing them build it from scratch and them be able to manipulate it, modify it at such a base level really started to break open the idea of what engineers do is that we create things and we solve problems. Mm-hmm. And I really saw that starting to um, build that connection of what I do and why I do it nice. and at that level. So. I knew I was sort of found in my niche as far as what I was good at, mm-hmm. and I decided to go full in with that idea and that process. That's amazing. Yeah. So have you always been into technology and engineering? I would say so. Um, okay. If I wasn't a engineer, I'd probably be like a marine biologist. That's really? sort of what I grew up in, like watching Animal Planet and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, so maybe if I retire early, I can jump back into that. Okay. <laughs> so but, when did you like first start getting into engineering and technology? Was it in college or did you really start, you know, in high school, a young child? It was gonna was gonna be the young, um, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Mostly I can think back of the Super Nintendo, that's basically when I was growing up, is that was the, the hot new toy. Right. <laughs> so being able to play that and then going through that process of, you know, PlayStation coming out, Dreamcast, mm-hmm. um, and all oh, those. Oh, Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to go to my cousin's house. We used to play, you know, even back then the N64 of GoldenEye. We used to spend all night mm-hmm. playing that. So that really started my interest of what technology was. Mm-hmm. And then it was really somebody in... Um, my high school year, my junior year, actually, that basically broke it down and saying, yes, you're interested in it, mm-hmm. but there's a career waiting for you if you just go grab it. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you still talk to that person that told you that? I definitely thanked them a couple years out of college. Mm-hmm. I keep up with them on LinkedIn just so I make sure we, you know, nice. see where he's up to. So I know you mentioned New York, you mentioned Oklahoma. How did you get to Texas and yeah. why stay here and build your company here? So that was my Again, my first job was text instruments. Mm-hmm. And so I was used to being in different um, cities. Right. And so it wasn't really a, um, it wasn't anything sort of new to me to actually get up and move someplace. So mm-hmm. I took Dallas like that same approach where it's, you know, another adventure. Let's mm-hmm. go see what's out here, basically see what's open and make some connections and build connections. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, why I decided to go on in full force into, into Dallas. Okay, because I was wondering if it was maybe strategic, because I know people sometimes move to Houston for the oil and gas. Um, was it anything like that? Like you saw it was a big, you know, networking situation for that particular industry, or you was just, you know, this is a new adventure, I'm going to just go for it. Yeah, so that's why I mentioned I was impulsive. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why. I was just like, Got you it. know what, new city, let's do it. Let's, and so we okay. made it happen. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and as far as, like you mentioned, you have uh, your friends that you would speak to about your entrepreneurship and things yeah. of that nature. Do you guys just go back and forth and just, you know, pick up ideas? Like, how are you getting these ideas, putting them on paper, and executing these ideas? Like, how are you coming up with things? I think what we've done a good job of is really creating a sounding board with each other okay. as far as, you know, everything from... I have this idea for a business, you know, what are some challenges you would see mm-hmm. to um, one of my breaking points is that I went to, so back when I was at TI, maybe like through my second year, I went to Atlanta for like a, a weekend trip to so see some of my cousins mm-hmm. and just seeing so much um, of that black excellence, seeing yes. everyone building something, creating something, mm-hmm. just going through their journey. I texted my group and I was like, you know what, I'm done quitting my job. I'm doing this. I'm going to Atlanta and I'm going to go ahead and like just, I'm tired of working. I want to just really go entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So they calmed me down a little bit. I still. (laughs) You got too excited. They bring you down. (laughs) At that impulsiveness, they they know it's like, okay, he's going to kick out it for a while. Mm -hmm. But um, at that moment, you know, I really started to shift my mindset and my thinking into I'm going to prepare myself for entrepreneurship. I'm going to basically take things a little more seriously. Mm -hmm. And that group really helped me to start to take things seriously. So how do I LLC what I'm doing? How do I um, add some legal structure to it? So Mm -hmm. having even, can't really patent anything I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. So we did a trademark instead. And so really breaking down that idea and even about some of my first things I was selling as far as the, um, we were selling those little kits that I did for my workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I actually find pricing for it? So it became that sounding board of, here's what I'm thinking about doing, here's what I heard that would be successful, mm-hmm. what do you guys think? And then we'd all sort of trade those um, those ideas you know, back and forth. Nice. Yeah. Actually, you're, you're moving forward on what I'm wanting to talk about next. <laughs> So how did you build this organization as far as the business side? Because, yeah. of course, like you mentioned, you can write it down, pen and paper. I know I want to do this. I know I want to do that. But how as far as the business, what was the structure? Because I know you mentioned a little bit about LLC, a little bit of um, trademarking. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I think I realized that um, I wanted to find ways to scale this business, like even from the jump. I was like, okay. How do I find ways that I can do as much impact as far as even with the students, as far as making um, structure, as far as, you know, even making money mm-hmm. with the slowest amount of time or the right. least amount of time? Mm-hmm. And so I was very intentional about setting things up when it comes to scale. Okay. For example, um, when I'm working, when I was working corporate, I was using that money to start to fund some of the smaller activities that I would be a lot easier to fund while I was working. Mm-hmm. One example of that is, again, getting a trademark. It takes time to do. It takes some money. You have to hire a lawyer. You have to sort of vet the idea with the lawyer, make a short set up the right way. Mm-hmm. I did that while working because, you know, I had the money to spend on that right. and build that up, mm-hmm. even um, some of my organizational documents. So I knew I wanted to bring people on. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that look like? How do I create something that can protect um you know, my, with the work I've been doing, my, I guess, IP. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out again to Laura saying, hey, I know I want to bring people onto a team. How do I make sure that it's done in the, uh, a correct way that protects what I'm doing mm-hmm. and even make sure that the other person knows that I'm serious when it comes to saying, 
I want to build together as a team, mm-hmm. I'm going to actually bring some documents to the table. That way it becomes that more authentic approach. Nice. So really trying to find ways to, of what are some things that I might need as I'm getting deeper into this process of being an entrepreneur full time? Mm-hmm. And how could I start to pay people to that are experts to do that for me and help save a lot of my, you know, uh, save a lot of my time and use my time more effectively. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so um, as you mentioned with TI, you had that nine to five and you were, of course, getting money from there. Yeah. Did you do like a certain budget? Okay, once I get my income from here, I'm going to have me a budget, and this is going to be for Hack Electronics. Or you was just like, I already know I'm going to do this. I'm going to just go ahead and put it to the side, and we just going to, whatever I need, I'm going to make it happen. It was definitely um, a plan to mm-hmm. it as okay. far as just sort of really breaking down, you know, how much I'm spending because I was living with an engineering budget, which was really nice and easy to spend. Right. Um, definitely was a big fan of brunch and, you know, <laughs> anytime Nike releases new shoes every, like, Saturday, so mm-hmm. I would definitely be one of the best fans of those. Right. So I had to start to restructure, you know, some of the things I was doing. Mm-hmm. I guess that was the first thing I looked at is how do I start to reduce some of my spending? Um, how do I start to tackle some of my debt that I knew it would be coming, mm. which is another thing. And a third big thing yeah. was how do I um, – increase basically my credit Mm -hmm. so a lot of um when it comes to real i guess larger capital investments into your company whether you're going to a bank for a loan or you're going um looking for angel funding or things like that for the startup world Mm -hmm. you really want to make sure you have um that credit in best shape as possible yeah because a good credit score can really open a lot of doors while Mm -hmm. you're building your business credit okay so that's one of the things I took time to research while I was working mm-hmm. because I didn't know that, you know, your business credit is separate than your personal credit. Right. But when you're starting off, you know, sometimes you have to use and leverage your personal credit in order to get a business credit card or things like that. And so it was um, during those that mid phase when I knew I had an entrepreneurship idea and plan together and mm-hmm. I also was working that I started to find ways to increase my credit score, whether it's um getting a business credit card, yeah. you know, asking for an increase on that business credit card when I had my salary. Right. Or um, even my personal cards really asking for, hey, can I increase the limit on this? Or mm-hmm. can I get a lower um, interest rate? Mm-hmm. You can literally, every um, six months, I think, it's you can go to every credit card or um, company, or every credit card that you have, you can ask them for an increase on the limit. You can ask them to um, decrease the rate. Mm-hmm. And you can basically have that conversation over and over again in order to really start to maximize and it also brings up your credit score because it, it increases the amount of money you're able to um i guess you're that amount of credit that you're able to uh access that's nice that's some good tips yeah oh my gosh that was exciting okay and so i know before you mentioned something about your team when it comes to hack, hack electronics what type of team is you know around you yeah so it's when I look back on just the journey in, in general, mm-hmm. I've noticed that about every um, three to four months, we make like a really big step as far as um, just structure, whether it's uh, where we're located versus um, maybe even the team mm-hmm. or even the impact and the basically the quote unquote stage that we've made it to. Okay. And so that team process has grown throughout our different stages of a company. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started, I, you know, grabbed the closest people around me and said, hey, 
Yeah. And I'm, this is what I'm doing. Are you down for the cause? Mm-hmm. Here's sort of what we're trying to accomplish. I um, chose people that and I intentionally knew wanted to build something themselves and had right. an aspiration themselves mm-hmm. and that I knew that they had a, a strong working style. Okay. And so, for example, one of my um, friends, even you know, back when I was in upstate New York in church days, I knew that he was very good as far as he engaging with people, mm-hmm. um, actually looking to develop his own podcast himself, so telling stories. Mm-hmm. And we really um, connected when talking about you know hack electronics because I needed someone to help tell us my story, someone to really help you know understand how do I create that vision, the sort of the imagery when it comes to what I want to accomplish. Okay. And so I said, hey, Darren, you know, can you help me with Hack Electronics? Um, this will help you accomplish your goal of building your own podcast. And, you know, together we can work a lot better. We can learn lessons. And we have that accountability with, amongst one, one another. I like that give and take. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, leveraging the fact that while I was working, I could um, put some money away to help pay him as he helped with what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And also that structure of the lawyer making um, agreements of when I worked with some of my um some more people mm-hmm. I was able to come to them you know the first time correct by saying here's sort of a contract I'm drafting up do you think this sort of makes sense mm-hmm. and one special tip is that instead of actually trying to give him an hourly rate of pay mm-hmm. um, I broke it down into milestones so I said hey here are some things that I want to get accomplished for my business right. um, hosting a workshop in he's in California so in California mm-hmm. You know, this is basically what this looks like, and if you do that, I'll give you, you know, five hundred dollars because I was starting to already f- shovel away some money. Right. And it helped to identify that one, I was serious about what I was building. Mm-hmm. Two, that there is some structure in place so that way it becomes, you know, it's it feels more like a job in a way, which right. also helps to guide guide um him and ourselves working together. Mm-hmm. And three, to really showcase that I value the work he's bringing into it. So, nice. you know, even though we um, are working with students and it's always that balance of, okay, well, you should be doing it for the, the, for the students. You know, why are you talking about money in this case? There still is a need for us to be, as like individual people, we have to be financially stable ourselves. That way we right. can impact the most people. You are right. So I really sort of put those things together for um, Darren, his name, and mm-hmm. I put those things together for Darren on the first try mm-hmm. because I knew that this is going to be the most effective way to understand that when we start, we're starting to build something. And we're not just going right. to sort of mosey around and sort of wash through things. But mm-hmm. if you put it's that concrete. exactly mm-hmm. and put that through it. So um, I took that approach to my first team. It was about four people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we basically had everyone had their own set of milestones. Right. We bought things together as far as. um you know, team meetings and just sort of updates and building that out together. Okay. And we just sort of started running with it. So at that stage, um, we were looking at trying to do more with those little, the kits that we were handing out and building. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to create, you know, a small curriculum around it, trying to give, find different people that might work with us. And it was a stage where we had a sort of an idea, but we were allowed to take a lot of different angles as far as um, our direction. Mm-hmm. And it was really just getting a chance to learn myself. How do you work for a team? How do you be transparent? Um, but still be 
direct and intentional as far as what the direction is for the team. Right, because so, you do have a leadership role. Yeah, mm-hmm. and learning that, you know, just because um, you want to be transparent doesn't mean you should leave everything as a toss-up to the whole team. So right. even think that you might have been thinking out yourself as far as, okay, do I want to, you know, focus more on a red color scheme or a blue color scheme? You know, in our case, it was figuring out, do you want to target more parents or teachers? Mm-hmm. Um, if you leave too much up for you know community judgment mm-hmm. it almost seems as if you're not guided in your direction and confusion and exactly and mm-hmm. it can cause confusion because people start bringing up ideas people will um question away i thought we decided on this earlier mm-hmm. and so it starts to bring confusion and so that early team stage that we were at um was really understanding that there's going to be a lot of confusion if you don't drive with a goal mm-hmm. and um, you can allow input on certain things, but you always have to showcase that you're in control of what, what the direction is. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get a little bit more into Hack Electronics. Okay. I was reading that you have 600 plus students. Yeah. That is amazing. So I know you're not doing it by yourself. Correct. What is the structure as far as... I mean, are you hiring other teachers that have background in engineers? Are you hiring people that have engineering, you know, they went to college for it? How are you getting those people to help you with the different camps, the different programs and things of that nature? Yeah, so um, that was, we've engaged with 600 students in a year. And so whether it's through different schools, whether Mm -hmm. it's through our summer programming that we did, Mm -hmm. um, again, being intentional about scale was one part of it is that Mm -hmm. I knew that um, we had to reach as many people as possible in a a short amount of time. So I did leverage, again, that core team. Mm -hmm. I leveraged them. And I also knew that I wanted to um, look into having interns and sort of building a pipeline as far as people Mm -hmm. that want to work with me, Mm -hmm. getting used to um, how to actually hire people mm-hmm. because there's a whole different feel when you're working with your friends versus you're working with people that don't know you. Absolutely. And um, me going to that one phase of the quote unquote confusion of the direction, mm-hmm. it helped me to realize that, you know, it's going to, I need to sort of take an approach where people don't always think of me as a friend first mm-hmm. in order to keep building and keep um, progressing that the company where we're, what we we're going to. So mm-hmm. in order to reach the amount of students, we started looking at interns. Okay. Um, you know, we made just a simple page that said careers. We put a little ad for an intern, very generic, very vague, probably mm-hmm. copied off a random website or, you know, just <laughs> modified a little I bit, like got it. inspiration, mm-hmm. as they would say. And then we, you know, started telling people, hey, we're hiring for summer interns. We're looking at summer interns. So, mm-hmm. Um, aligned with a a school organization, a high school organization called um, NAF, National Academy Foundation, uh-huh. that is a great resource because they actually provide you with interns, mm-hmm. um, especially in the Dallas area. So these are high school interns. These are students that have gone through resume training that yeah. have been. Um, so young. Yeah. And they're amazing. Like they've had professionalism training. They've mm-hmm. you know learned Microsoft so they could do um general administrative act duties wow. and in my case um naf really took care of making it easy on me 
mm-hmm. because me trying to figure out, you know, how to hire someone and what that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked closely with one of their the NAF advisors and, you know, she basically said, hey, here are a couple of students that you know, look at their resumes. They will fit well with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you like any of them, I can set up an interview with you. And so she made it very efficient on my end of it. Mm-hmm. And um, the student that we interviewed, you know, solid gentleman, interested in engineering, and mm-hmm. we built a bond right off that. So NAF not only looked at um, what type of work I was providing, mm-hmm. but also me as an entrepreneur, you know, what I would need and what type of person would be best for the skills that I was looking for. That makes so much sense because there wouldn't be a reason to send somebody that want to do basketball and something like that. Right. <laughs> exactly. So that's good. That was a really good resource. And then also, um, you know, having that uh, careers page just sort of floating out there. Mm-hmm. It happened um, actually pretty recently, but it happened and that the website indeed.com, mm-hmm. they actually picked that from because I had a careers page like literally said careers and said intern um, and I guess that teacher or some other keywords so mm-hmm. they picked it from there and pulled it onto their Indeed page nice. so it got to the point where at first I was getting like a um, application I was like I didn't apply I, I didn't ask for any people for applications mm-hmm. and I remember that I had that on my page well lo and behold you know every week I started getting you know one and then two and it got to the point now where every day I get at least two to three applicants. Wow, um, and, interesting. And this is one of those things where um, I didn't, you know, it's not like I was saying, okay, I need to hire 12 people, mm-hmm. but it was more that I wanted to bring someone on and I was starting to ask for it before I was ready for it mm-hmm. because I knew that when I was ready for it, I can at least, you know, have some people that I would already have vetted out that I know would be good for the company. So makes sense. using... Um, one that high school uh, NAF to get to bring up a high school student, mm-hmm. and two having that careers page on my website, it started to bring and attract people towards me that I could work with and said, hey, it aligns with what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, you guys already have some interest in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Here's an activity for you to go and engage with these students. Come with me. We'll start building off of it. Mm-hmm. And it went from you know just me bringing one person along. So then two people, then we start to split up and divide and conquer, and Mm -hmm. then you start to have that scale effect of it. That's nice. All right, and I was looking on your website. Um, It's like you guys have a calendar. How do you prepare the calendars? Is it like something two months prior, three months prior? And how do you figure out what certain activities you're going to do for that particular day? Yeah. So one of them, one again, I'm impulsive, so it's usually <laughs> not. I'm trying to get better with as far as how far out we do events, mm-hmm. um, and we're building on that. But a lot of the idea of building a calendar, and I've learned this over time, is realizing that everyone's schedule isn't on my schedule, oh, yeah. and they're not always aligned. So I was used to, um, you know, if you put something up that Monday be ready to go by Friday type mm-hmm. of thing. Right. And on a really fast uh, turn time as far as like how to trying to get things done, trying to plan things, mm-hmm. I realized that that's not the case. Right. And people need time, especially parents, especially schools, mm-hmm. to um, put it out into the universe, to promote it, mm-hmm. to get people excited about it, and then for it to be successful. So it's an iterative process as far as we keep 
trying new things. We keep seeing what's actually successful. Right. We keep trying different methods of sharing information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also leverage, you know, experts that know this better than we know it or it's better mm-hmm. than I know it for sure. Mm-hmm. So in our case, Geek Plus, shout out, um, <laughs> really helped to push um, what we're doing. And also Wolf Nation, shout out. Helped for real, to, uh, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> helped us to really figure out, you know, how can we better market what we're doing and the activities that we do. Right. Yeah. I like it. All right. So um, I had another question because I was looking at your age groups. You yeah. have 5 to 8, 9 to 12, 13 to 16. How did you know to put those age groups together? Because I know for me, my head would go racket because they're, you know, attention span is real short yeah so how did you know you know to put those certain age groups together um for me when i looked at you know what we were teaching over time Mm -hmm. i realized that how we were because we teach you know technology we teach circuits and it just so happens that you know a one-year-old can now start to find the iPad, swipe to the right, the YouTube, change YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And so what you're seeing is that um, students at a younger age are excited about technology and are just naturally um, able to pick up some of these concepts. Mm -hmm. And what you're also seeing is that what we're teaching as far as how we teach um, technology at a more base level, so it's not always prepackaged, it's not always a, a... a full-on you know robot that already is built together mm-hmm. so it requires some level of um putting things together mm-hmm. which means that even for a five-year-old and an eight-year-old there's still that ramp up period of understanding what's going on mm-hmm. how do these things come together what happens if and we were able to really start to um leverage that and it allows us to group those students of different ages together mm-hmm. and what we teach so we started to shift our curriculum to a point where you know you have our younger and older students working together and what we've built off that is a sense of um working together mm-hmm. and so that builds a sense of builds that communication right but also starts to build that community okay and it's been um something that i learned as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is that you have to have a community around what you're doing True. whether it's your team whether it's um or your your target customer mm-hmm. they have to have that sense of community nowadays and right. so having you know different ages of students what you're going to see is that our younger students can look up to the older students while they're working on an activity together right or that our older student can feel that sense of um mentorship when they're helping the younger student figure out what they learned Uh and it becomes to the point where even you know we had parents in uh, some of our workshops where that the younger student can help teach the parent as far as like what they put together or no you know move that there this is where it actually sets up and so we're building that sense of community around that learning um and that's sort of where it dives back into the idea and understanding that we're building that confidence and competence using technology as a tool got it So when I was looking over Hack Electronics, mm-hmm. to me it reminded me of a school. So I have to know why. I mean, of course, there's stepping stones. Yeah. Have you ever just thought about building a school in the future? Um, or am I taking it too far? No, no, no. I, I've had. <laughs> the- I really do. Like you, you got the ages on there, and it's from five to sixteen. I yeah. feel like. That's intermediate, that's junior high school, and that's also high school. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, um, we wanted to, to target as many students as possible because mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that this was understanding that technology is not confined to an age, mm -hmm. it's not confined to a certain demographic, it's sort of one of those things that's available to everyone. Right. And so, you know, being intentional about that was why we really opened up the, um, the age range of what we do. Mm -hmm. When it comes to that idea of a school, I think, um, again, this sort of shows that entrepreneurship isn't perfect, I think that we have to figure out, you know, how do we keep perfecting that community aspect mm -hmm. even better Okay. before we can even look at building out, like, you know, keeping to move on to it. So okay. um, I think the one of the things that, you know, the listening audience might not know is that we have a storefront. Mm -hmm. So it's um, in basically about 10 minutes from downtown Dallas, 506 South Fits You. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, do workshops out of there on weekends. Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of the, you know, the company side or like the outward facing sort of messages that we right. push that way. Okay. Um, the entrepreneurship side of it is mm -hmm. that that storefront has been something that, you know, has been one of the pieces that we can't sort of get to turn okay. or one of the wheels we can't get to turn yet. Okay. And it's really been us trying to figure out what does it take to make a physical location successful. Got it. Um, you're starting to see it more with, you know, malls, closing stores. Mm -hmm. um, you're starting to see people just shopping on Amazon. Right. You know, even for us, we're competing against sports um, mm -hmm. all the time. And so we've been really trying to figure out what is it going to take to make a physical space um, successful. Mm -hmm. And in that case of bringing people there on a consistent basis, mm -hmm. getting them excited to help owner, owning what we b are building. Right. And so we've been trying to um, learn that lesson. So, you know, the school is something that we might have in a distance, mm -hmm. but um, we know that in order to have a school, you also have that, to have that sense of community anyways. Right. And so we need to figure out how do we build community such that we can bring people to a location first. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And so my other question is when it comes to schools. Yeah. Um, I know you guys partner a lot with schools. Have you ever thought about um, maybe selling your curriculum to those schools? So one of the things we saw, like even though the, you know, re engaging 600 students a year was mm -hmm. a good feat. Because I feel like it's a great resume. Yeah. <laughs> well, we noticed that it was exhausting, especially mm -hmm. for me. Because right. um, <laughs> I'm still doing a lot of that workload. So. Mm -hmm really making sure that I was trying to be present at so many places has really been a challenge. Okay. So that's one of the things that, you know, I bounced back to my, my mentor group, my sounding board and said, Hey, you know, I need to hire people. I need to hire people. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, hiring people while effective, it's very costly. Okay. One, you know, the milestone part was something that we were trying to do to lower costs, mm -hmm. but at the same time we need people, um, you know, if you're trying to be everywhere, you still need more people. And right. so it still starts to add up as far as the dollar amount. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that when you're having um, people doing a service and providing a service, mm -hmm. there's only so much you can ask them to do without giving them some sort of um, compensation regularly. True. And it's I've learned that and I've sort of really sort of internalized that because mm -hmm. um, there's so much 
that other attention. There's so much other things that someone can um, focus on right. and spend their time on mm -hmm. that you want to find ways to reassure that you're you're providing like you value what they're doing, uh -huh. whether it's um, either opening up them to new opportunities or you know in my case making sure that they're getting a part of what we're building, so getting some payment to it. Uh -huh. And you have to balance that with the fact that you have to um, do a lot of stuff at a lower price than what you might value. At least I feel I had to, and I took yeah. that route. Mm -hmm. And so I had to sort of, you know, I, those things always didn't make sense and didn't match up. Oh, yeah. Long story short is that <laughs> <laughs> um, we use that to realize that in order to really scale this, we're going to have to find ways to make our curriculum accessible to more and more people. Makes sense. So we've been... Um, dabbling with a few things one trying the idea of doing webinars mm -hmm. um trying to do some videos oh, and okay. trying to make kits that um that someone can buy through like amazon mm. such that way if there's a customer that we'd like to engage with mm -hmm. but you know whether it's time whether it's you know location location mm -hmm. um we can provide them options to still um service with us, mm -hmm. but we don't have to spend that time, manpower, and even you know money, quite frankly, to right. be there. And traveling and yeah. all that. I like it, okay. All right, so <clears throat> I know that you guys have certain products that the children work on, drones, 3D printing, ro robotics. I saw the hackboard. Why those particular products and those particular items that you guys work on yeah so um the interesting thing about that is <laughs> i knew that students would i wanted something that they'd be excited to get in, involved with mm -hmm. and i also knew that parents had to be able to um understand what we we're trying to build too okay. so that way if i know i have a student excited about it and the parent can associate with it and can understand that, mm -hmm. then you know you have an even stronger chance of really getting them to come back to attend another workshop to tell somebody else at least. True. And so, we actually started up saying, you know, if we could make anything we want, um, what would we build? So me and my core team, you know, even Darren came in there and we started listing things we wanted to build. Mm -hmm. The one thing that stuck out with us was a cell phone. You know, mm -hmm. kids know how to use it. Parents mm -hmm. use it way too much. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's always something that someone can relate to. Mm -hmm. So we started off with saying, you know, how in the world do we build a cell phone? Mm -hmm. um, reaching out to different people, different mentors, even having one of my friends who was excellent as far as putting things together. Um, he took a lot of that workload as far as understanding what it took to build it. And we tackled it as a team in order to build a functioning cell phone. So this thing can send text messages. Um, and we really learned that we wanted to provide products that people can associate with okay. and can um, identify with mm -hmm. as a way to showcase that while we're new and we don't have an established brand, mm -hmm. we can um, provide something that they can, they can associate with and mm -hmm. say, hey, we provide that you know, here's why you should go with us, or here's why you should, um, in our case, attend one of our workshops. So Got it. we had a lot of things. Again, we then we worked our way to the drones, robotics, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But we started by saying, you know, if we can build a cell phone, we can teach and teach kids what it goes into a cell phone, mm -hmm. then we can build anything. 
And okay, it sounds like you are like super strategic, but then a little bit impulsive too. Like if I got yeah. an idea, we gonna make it work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So during this course of you being an entrepreneur, what has been a high moment for you? Like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. This is great. <laughs> so I think um, in a way, I think it's happening right now. Because um, entrepreneurship at first, it's very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed saying, mm -hmm. hey, I see this guy on Instagram. He just, you know, locked in his first big investment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go make a tech company get investors. Right. Or it's like, hey, this guy quit his job. Um, I can only think of right now the the um if you're watching tv late at night and the everest college that guy's like you're sitting <laughs> on your couch you know <laughs> what are you doing like you right. need to go up and do something mm -hmm. and then nowadays it's uh it's common talking about ai yes. <laughs> you always can see you talking about ai is the future it so is. it's like that idea of like hey you know for me at first going into entrepreneurship i was like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna mm -hmm. be on tv mm -hmm. um i'm gonna be Killing and killing it, saving the world. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen that way. A lot of struggles, even <laughs> right. though you know we tried to get a lot of things right. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of things wrong. Right. Um, trial and error. Definitely a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. Definitely a lot of spending to figure that out. Right. And um, one thing we learned is that even and more so now that it takes time for you know, to establish a brand, mm -hmm. to establish a customer base to establish that you are competent in what you do mm -hmm. and even to establish that um, you're going to be there, you know, we're going to be there for a while. Mm -hmm. And so now it's getting to the point where all of those um, engagements, all of those students we started to work with and give workshops for, mm -hmm. all of the activities that we did at a uh, reduced cost or free um, <laughs> it's starting to come back where you know we get phone calls of people asking hey uh, you know i heard of what you guys do mm -hmm. saw you on instagram saw your website um you know can you provide a workshop for us or you know Beautiful. this would be a great connection for you so mm -hmm. we're getting to the point now where a lot of the things we did a year ago is starting to come back that's beautiful. One thing in particular that I've noticed is that, um, for example, in our case, we do contracts with organizations. So mm -hmm. if you have like a Girl Scout troop, a Boy Scout troop, or even like a YMCA, mm -hmm. even if you have a nonprofit that wants to try to figure out how to incorporate STEM because of like grant money through that, um, mm -hmm. they you know come to us because the first time we did an activity with um, an organization, we were thinking, okay, it's a customer. You know, we need to start making maybe a thousand bucks per customer. Mm -hmm. Not always the case. And I'd say that because um, I did an event where you know I traveled to Chicago for only 500 bucks, just did a workshop for a day and traveled back. Yeah. You know, you can, yeah, so it could be considered a waste of time, you know, only for 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. But what you saw and what I saw is that, you know, two weeks ago they reached back out to me and saying, hey, you did such a great job last year. How can we, um, do this again and do even more. Nice. And so it's a bigger opportunity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's that idea of, you know, upselling because not only are you now offering, you know, more value and at a more at a higher price, mm -hmm. but when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, that customer it went from being a five hundred dollar customer to maybe a, a thousand or two thousand dollar customer. Yeah. And so, you know, you don't have to get all your money from that person at that moment. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, get part of it now and then build to get more and more off of it as you provide more value later 
Yes. Good for you, Harry. That was good. Okay. And so let's talk about one of your low moments that you was like, oh my gosh, this done beat me up. I don't even want to do hack electronics anymore. I'm done. Yeah. And then how did you get through that moment? Cause you know, that can be a little dark sometimes. How did you get through that moment? It was like, no, I know this is my passion. It was given to me and I'm helping people and I'm going to continue to do this. Yeah. So <laughs> that's deep. So um, <laughs> I think the low moment um and this i don't usually don't tell this story in this detail but mm -hmm. so the low moment i would say is when i a little bit after i first got the storefront because so while i was you know i mentioned as far as building a team finding people that were um interested in some of the things things you are mm -hmm. really focused and guided um i you know built sort of a lot of relationships and I was deciding to figure out, okay, I know I'm gonna go on this full time. So at that point, my first summer was ending um, and I was able to find the person I was at, like a partner I was able to work with and sort of we were doing some similar things, working together mm -hmm. and we had a good working relationship. But um, when, you know, as the summer was going, we were looking at saying, okay, how do we do this throughout the year? What type of programming can we offer? And so we brought up the idea of having a storefront. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like, okay, we're interested in doing that. So it was gonna be first where um, they would have the location. I would sort of help out and provide some programming to it and mm -hmm. like have a little office in there. It's almost like co-working. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I was looking at co-working as well too as an option. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, got it, plan, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. um, come a couple of weeks later, some uh ran some issues we're like okay well that person can no longer you know own the storefront maybe we can just sort of both own it together oh, yeah. i was like ah, oh, a little bit more but uh, we'll do it mm -hmm. and then a little more time goes on gets to the situation where that person um can't put the actual the lease in their name so mm -hmm. they're like okay well they'll work with me you know they'll work under me it'll put it under sort of you know I was sort of have an idea of, okay, let's scale. Let's have a person under me that's really solid mm -hmm. and I'll take the lease on and we'll take and we'll run with it. Mm -hmm. So that happens. I signed the lease and um, like slowly after that, just things started changing. Um, it just felt like our working chemistry wasn't really building. Oh, and wow. yeah, and sort of you got a chance to feel um, like what, it, so I got a chance to sort of see what it looked like when um, people aren't always making all the decisions and mm -hmm. you have to sort of say, no, like, you know, this is the decision of where we're going to. Right. And in that time, um, I was still getting used to trying to do like decisions by committee. Mm -hmm. And so I was sort of starting to shift into me to making decisions and me sort of guiding a lot of that. Right. So as I was starting to take more of those decisions, um, it started to have an impact on our working relationship with the, myself and the partner owning the storefront together. Mm -hmm. And after like a month, they just said deuces and they dipped out. Are you serious? Yeah. And just left you. Yeah, left, went to a competitor. <laughs> and so like oh a lot gosh. of the variables that I thought I could, you know, push as far as having the physical store from a lot of my plan mm -hmm. just went out the door with it. So Did he take your ideas and everything over there to that competition? Um That's so shameful. Um I'm so sorry about that. That's yeah. crazy. But you still here though. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um how I got to that moment, because at first it was like 
you know, it didn't really click. So I was like, okay, whatever, we'll keep moving. Right. And then it was like a couple of weeks went by. I was like, okay, so we got the storefront and I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Still not fully finished out. And so, um, luckily, oh, sorry, luckily in that case, my, um, again, that sounding board sort of, we had this sit down discussion, mm-hmm. um, and they helped sort of guide to me and say, okay, if you're going to make this work, this is sort of what goes into it. You know, mm-hmm. this is what you would have to aim for. Um, these are some of the steps you have to do. And they helped mm-hmm. really me to put together a plan in That's place good. to help guide it, help mm-hmm. put it to structure. That's and good. so that is really sort of what started to get me out of it because it was a realization that um, even though I like made, I guess, a bad choice, mm-hmm. you know, they were there to help support me. That's so good. Yeah. That's why it's always good to have a support system. Exactly. Wow. And they they made it known that I made a bad choice though. Like <laughs> you have to let you know so you can right. learn and listen. <laughs> exactly. Like one of the examples that I had a happy hour where I was like bringing up the idea. I was like, hey guys, I think I'm gonna take on this storefront. And one of the dudes, like literally after a while, that he knew I wasn't paying, like I wasn't gonna listen to their advice. Mm-hmm. So he just walked up and walked out. He's like, you know, I'm done. I'm about to leave. Oh. <laughs> so he was I was fed like, up. right. He just walked out. I'm like, oh, okay. That is too funny. <laughs> but they, yeah, and it. It comes out of a place, you know, of wisdom, of letting other other people that have gone through that and seen things, mm-hmm. really letting them um, provide advice. And mm-hmm. me realizing that what it looks like to actually take advice when I already had an idea of what I wanted to do. Right. And so that's been a growth area because whenever you think you have a, you know, it's your business, you think, hey, I know you have an advice, but this is my business. I'm going to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that there are, you know, times and um places where you should take someone else's advice and really you know fully take their advice and really let them sort of guide you through that step because you might Mm -hmm. have your head so attached to it emotionally Mm -hmm. such that it clouds your vision of like what actually makes sense in that case was one of the things that was with me as far as at that point had to bring you down a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So I have this one uh, segment. It's called one free advice. What is one free advice? If that was maybe a class somebody told you to go to, or, you know, telling you to stay up on technology and knowledge and things of that nature in the industry, what was something that somebody told you for free that didn't cost you anything that put you on the next mark on the next level to doing great in life, even with your business? Um, that's a good one. So I, I think what it is, is that, and it sort of comes in the form of a hot take, but that you have to detach yourself emotionally from your business. If you're like a full on CEO, Mm -hmm. um, you have to find ways to detach yourself emotionally from your business. Now that's what somebody told you. Yeah. And I sort of, um, yeah, because and I'll put it this way. Right. Mm hmm. You, if you get so um, tied up into it where it's like, okay, I'm going to be the grinder. I'm going to sort of uh, work this out. And myself, that engineering mindset, like I'm an all-nighter for me is like nothing. Like I'm mm-hmm. probably going to pull one tonight just to right. sort of get some stuff done. Mm-hmm. And so I can literally like throw hours and hours at something that might not be um, like profitable. It might mm-hmm. not be the right move. But mm-hmm. just because, you know, I get attached when I'm sort of putting those hours and putting my head down and working, mm-hmm. that it will start to cause you, again, not to make the best decision all the time. Right. And so 
I say emotionally attached because, you know, when you're able to step back and say um, there are times when you have to let things, you know, quote unquote, die out, whether it's a program, mm-hmm. whether it's um, me figuring out what to do with the storefront, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, you know, choosing to even, you know, separate with employees because, you know, they're not really getting what their job done. Right. You have to find ways to do that and sort of do it efficiently so that mm-hmm. way you're not sort of wasting time. You're not sort of dragging things down. Right. And it's one thing that I've started to really internalize and learn more about mm-hmm. and even pushing myself to do that because when you realize how, how to make decisions without um, being tied too much to it emotionally, mm-hmm. if you know it's for the good of your mission and the vision of the company when you right. set out to do it, mm-hmm. then you'll really start to fulfill that mission, that vision. So mm-hmm. I say detach yourself emotionally, but that's because you have your company's mission and vision to implement. Nice. Yeah. All right. So part two of that question oh. for those he's like, right, I gave everything else. I gave everything up. I'm done. <laughs> so, I mean, what would you give back to someone that's like, Oh my gosh, I want to, you know, be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. What would you give back to them? I'd give them an unpaid internship at Hack Electronics. They can learn on the fly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, I think that's good though. Um, where can where can they sign up? Give that information. Oh, definitely. So, if you look up H A K, then Dallas on Google. So, Hack Electronics is the name, the website, and that's the social media. Which, but electronics might be a hard word to spell if you're just sort of <laughs> getting into technology. You know, we're gonna work your way up to building that technology and developing that skill to <laughs> to work with that. But, mm-hmm. um. Hack Electronics is the the website, the social media. Um, reaching out to there, I usually finds its way back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, you know, if you want to just sort of type it on your phone while you're driving, H A K Dallas, Google it. It'll pop up with us. It does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's probably the one of the fastest way to you know reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and a caveat, I guess, another story with that. But if you're reaching out to someone and trying to ask for advice. Um, I want to loop back to that later, but if you're reaching out to someone and trying to ask for advice, make sure you know like what you can offer mm-hmm. and make sure you can make it easy on the person that you're trying to work with. Okay. Um, that's been my most efficient way of working with mentors and guide people that guide me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'll use this as what I would give back is that sort of <laughs> understanding of how to work with a mentor. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your upcoming events, your summer camps. What do we got going on next for Hack Electronics? Sure. So when we look at um, the students, or I guess if you're a parent listening to this, if your student is ages, again, we talk 5 to 16 is where most of our programming is. Mm -hmm. Even we have some some classes for students in college as well, too, um, with a couple of colleges that we partner with. But if you have a student in that age range, realize that um, technology is one of the most efficient ways to help generate wealth and, you know, change your situation. Um, average salary out of college is about 65000 Wow. And so if you think about, you know, every week getting $1,000, um, that's basically what you can go from with just four years of college. So, wow. you know, find ways to even if it's um, getting scholarships or getting into a, 
you know, maybe a more college with a better reputation, mm-hmm. taking a little bit of debt. Not, I'm not saying pay the whole thing, mm-hmm. but find ways to get your student into college, into technology. Yeah. Use Hack Electronics to help you build that step and that stepping stone mm-hmm. and build that guidance through it because we offer programming that is going to teach your student what it takes to be an engineer, both the the mindset and also the um, more technical skills. So we touch on math, we touch on our science, touch on technology, but through that whole process, we're still making it fun. Mm-hmm. We're making it sort of student-owned, mm-hmm. and we're making it to a point where we're focused on developing products. Mm-hmm. So again, I mentioned, you know, we built a cell phone. Like, we know how to build products. So if your student is, you know, playing with them, their alarm clock and said, hey, I want to fix this, I want to make it better, mm-hmm. bring them the Hack Electronics. If your student's always playing Fortnite, bring them the Hack Electronics. Mm-hmm. Let, them, let us showcase to them how to build the actual game remote mm-hmm. and actually modify that. There nice. are people that literally modify these um, controllers and make thousands, if not millions of dollars on that. Wow. And so... That's not a little chump change at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, you think about it, you know, even gaming is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. And if... Um, you know, if ESPN's playing gaming competitions on right. TV, you don't have to be the gamer. You don't have to like be that you know all star. Why not be the person that sells them a um, a better game controller? Yes. You know, there are not enough people building actual products, mm-hmm. and that's really the wave of where you can really make some serious money. So, it's that idea of if you're interested in technology, if you're interested in building something. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, if you're interested in just finding ways to build cool shit, to be honest, um, <laughs> come to Hack Electronics okay. because we focus and we love to build stuff. And we can do that through our Saturday classes. So on Saturdays from 10 to noon, we have our STEM Saturday. Again, it's the idea, this is for our younger students, you know, that um, five to eight and even that nine to 12 range where mm-hmm. We have more of a craft-based STEM approach. Um, we build little 3D-printed cars and have them race. We've done um, little so light-up cards. We'll be doing something special for Mother's Day of actually having a circuit board of like a little flower that lights up that students can put together and give to their, their parents. That's so creative. We're always trying to find ways to build, and it, you're going to see different products being built at Hack Electronics. So even at a young age, mm-hmm. they're getting that mindset into them saying, I'm not consuming the electronics, I'm creating it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our Saturday classes. Our Sundays is are for, again, we say more students um, 8+. plus. Okay. So that is actually um, using building pr- our product design classes mm-hmm. that use uh, a mix of hardware and software. Mm-hmm. So students, um, we're starting off you know, small by building a like a whack-a-mole game where you press a couple of buttons and you have to try to press it as fast as the light comes on. Mm-hmm. And if you're literally building that from scratch, you're starting to sort of say, okay, I know how this is built. This is similar to a remote control. This is similar to a car. You know, mm-hmm. you're starting to sort of get a feel for what that looks like. So on Sundays, that's um, from 2 to 4. That's for our older students. And then um, we have our summer camps that are coming up as well, too. Okay. So this is for basically that whole spectrum. We have two areas in our storefront okay. where we'll be really diving in on creating um, dope technology at a level that students can understand and build with it. So, mm. for example, with that Fortnite example, we have a Fortnite camp. We're gonna take apart a game controller, mm-hmm. um, 
and sort of modify it from the inside such that you don't have to press any buttons and they'll shoot for you or it'll move around get for out. you and get a feel of what's inside there. Okay. Um, we have a, we'll have a summer camp where we build a cell phone from scratch. Mm -hmm. So we'll get the chance to students to go through that same process. Mm -hmm. um, we'll touch on the drones for a week. We'll touch on um, 3D printing for a week. Okay. And um, we'll really try to figure out what are all the things um, different interests of students, mm -hmm. whether it's um, fashion, whether it's sports, whether it's music. And we'll, you know, each week we'll try to touch on that and bring that into technology, showcasing that just because, you know, we say technology doesn't mean you have to sit in front of a computer. Mm -hmm. If technology is in every single field that your student is interested in, mm -hmm. and again, I mentioned that you can start off with that high paying salary. Yeah. Why not that. invest mm -hmm. that time into it? And make that your passion of saying, instead of just being um, a rapper, I'm going to be an audio engineer. Mm. So. Okay. All right. So I usually end my interviews with motivational moments. But before we go there, did you have anything else that you want to tell the people? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Um, so two things. One from the, the company side. So mm -hmm. in addition to um, the... In addition to the, the activities I mentioned earlier, um, we have pop-ups quite often, whether we're finding different movies or pop culture items, and we're applying a STEM touch to that. Okay. Um, Let's uh, break down STEM, because some people don't know what that is. Okay. So STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people try to uh, will add the A into it, which is like an arts and creativity, mm -hmm. and make it STEAM. Um, I use them interchangeably mm -hmm. because I just think of even when you're doing um, technology, even when you're doing engineering, you're always having that creativity part of it. You're always trying to find ways to problem solve, which in, you know, it uh, includes being innovative and includes creativity with it. Okay. So that's sort of what STEM stands for. And we touch heavily on the technology part, but we do, you know, they're all a lot of them overlap each other okay. and so that's sort of how we sort of fit those little those gaps as well too okay. yeah and i say that to say that we touch on different um topics as pop-up camps so we've done a, a black inventors event where we talked about different black inventors mm -hmm. and we made a paint party out of it where we painted a mural but we had it light up with different leds oh, and so we've um nice. had someone that painted this um beautiful picture of a woman and she had a nose piercing, and we made that piercing light up. Oh, and so yes. we found ways to incorporate, you know, just the current culture um, and different activities that are going on and bring STEM into it. So always check, you know, back on our website and our, our social media because mm -hmm. we're always trying to find, again, me being impulsive, you know, me seeing something on TV. It's like, you know what? I can do that. Mm -hmm. And I'll actually create a version of it such mm -hmm. that students can learn that as well, too. So we have something coming up where – We'll break down, um, in that case, Star Wars, and we'll actually make a lightsaber that if you swing it around, it'll change colors. Yes. And so, that again, so we're nice. breaking down this thing that creativity is um, can be seen anywhere. Mm -hmm. And you'll start, and our goal is to showcase that, you know, you don't have to see cool technology being built in California or mm -hmm. only in the movies. That you can do this in your own backyard right. if you start young and if you bring the heck electronics mm -hmm. but if you start young and you sort of keep that focus of building and designing and innovating mm. that's for the parents okay. um, <laughs> for the entrepreneurs 
looping back to it is that you always want to um I got to where I got to because I've had great mentors, mm-hmm. great advisors. I actively seek out mentors. Um I actively try to align myself to you know, who would be that next person I want to meet mm-hmm. and work under and how do I align myself to, you know, getting a path to build and so that way they would see me, they'd sort of take me under their wing and help mm-hmm. me build the next stage. Okay. Um, and I intentionally make sure I have advisors that I can, you know, text or call or see on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like on a personal level? Exactly, on a mm-hmm. personal level. Advisors that I may see, you know, once a quarter mm-hmm. that'll sort of make me um, make sure I have a good summary in place of where my business is at and sort of look back at what my goals were for the year so that way mm-hmm. I can see am I on track. And then the third thing is that I have advisors that don't have time for me, mm-hmm. to be honest. Where everybody's busy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't take that as any type of shade mm-hmm. because what it does is that they make time. And if you find ways to get their interest, mm-hmm. then they'll start to make time for you. Okay. And so that's always like a meter in the back of my mind is that am I doing something that's getting this advisor's attention, mm-hmm. getting them to sort of shout me out? And I always try to see, okay, what is my next milestone that's going to get that advisor's attention? Because it teaches me that I need to keep finding ways to make bigger jumps and bigger steps or make bigger splashes of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. such that when they say, hey, I saw that, good job, mm-hmm. you know, then I can like, okay, thanks. Can I meet <laughs> with you for a little five, five or ten minutes? Right. And so they really are able to provide that wisdom. And at the same time, I'm always making sure that I am aligning myself to say, okay, can I make a bigger impact that will get, you know, that'll reach into, the ripples will reach out to some of the advisors that are more advanced, quote unquote, right. and, or at a different stage in life that I aspire to be at. Because mm-hmm. you always, you know, as far as mentors, I know for me, I would want to, you know, look up to someone that, okay, I do want to be where they are in the yeah. future. I don't want to, you know, nothing against somebody that's already on my level. Because you can learn, you know, yeah. with the next person. But you can learn so much more from you looking at their pathway, how they got to where they are, learning from their mistakes, and then applying, you know, their knowledge to what you're doing so you can move forward with them. Exactly. So I like that. Yeah. Like, I used to want mentors at my level to do more operational mm-hmm. brainstorming. Mm-hmm. And then strategic, I used mentors that I aspire to be and saying, here's what I have. Am I on the right track strategically? Right. Yeah. Okay, Harry, you got some more? <laughs> that was good. I have a couple of things. Okay. I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> Did you want to say anything else? I'm gonna This is your floor. I was gonna say I got a whole list of rants and things like that, but um last thing. I swear okay. last thing. <laughs> okay. I'm good. <laughs> so um we mentioned earlier with the entrepreneurship, you know, being brought out and bushy tailed. Mm-hmm. And this is something I see a lot because um, when you first think of going full time, mm-hmm. you have that mindset of the whole Gary V just work harder or the uh, the person that just secured the next deal. Um, that story is good. It happens every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, it's not going to happen. Right. And what you will see, or at least what I experienced is first, like first couple of weeks out, I was like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm doing this full time. You know, shame on you guys for not going full time and going as hard on, on your journey. Because like mm-hmm. you sort of get that sense of like, oh, I did it. I'm an entrepreneur. You feel that sense of entitlement at times. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that like the first couple of, you know, months out the gate where it's like, okay, I'm the ish. You know, I'm not, <laughs> don't really talk to me. You're not, you're not an entrepreneur. Right. Um, and that first stage for me then went to a point of like, 
who's supporting me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, and you probably can go through your Facebook feed and see this right now, is that you'll have those entrepreneurs that are a little bit farther in their journey, and they almost go through this phase of saying, you know, you guys should be supporting me more, you guys aren't supporting me, and they start to really take it personally that what they're doing might not be as successful as they thought mm-hmm. because they have this view of Instagram to their right, they have this view of Facebook to the left, yeah. and they have people telling you that, hey, you're an entrepreneur, you should be successful, mm-hmm. and that's not gonna be the case. Um, a lot of businesses fail. It's like statistically over 80% of small businesses fail. Mm-hmm. And so- Don't even make it like their first year, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's really not that, um, that high of numbers, and mm-hmm. so when you start to run through some of those challenges of not having the instant success and gratification, right. it's like you almost have to find a way to you know, say, why isn't it happening? Well, no one's, my friends aren't buying my stuff more. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people go through that phase. I did too. I, and I am going through it. Yeah. <laughs> and to be we, honest. Speaking of what you're loving in, usually it's seven for podcasts, so <laughs> keep going. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> and, you um, and so... You know, you have to th- remember that um, people's attention, you can't always rely on just your friend group because mm-hmm. even their attention, you can't always have it whenever you, you need it. Right. So you always have to find ways of, okay, how do you continue to find other people and keep finding other customers? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you need to keep relying on the same group of friends for the same support every single time, it's not um, going to be a sustainable model. Right. And a lot of people run into that. So when you're trying to really figure out, you know, why are people supporting me? I challenge you always to think about, okay, what are other avenues I can look at? Right. Um, in my case, you know, I was looking outside of Dallas for a couple opportunities. You mm-hmm. know, what are other cities with um, that I can reach out to that might bring me in for a weekend or something like that? Mm-hmm. Hence why I went to Chicago. Um and I use that as a way to really be efficient as far as offering more to more people, but then just realizing and going through that phase of it doesn't always, you know, just because someone doesn't physically support you at that moment in time doesn't mean that they're not supporting you, doesn't mean that they're not in your corner. Um, yes, people can always do better and sort of collecting and uplifting, mm-hmm. but you can't always blame them for you know, not giving you all the attention all the time, right? I agree. And so you have to sort of have that understanding that almost like come to Jesus moment with yourself mm-hmm. and saying, you know, anyways, long term, you want to be successful even with, you know, bigger than that group of your core group of friends. Right. So realize that that's the goal anyway. So mm-hmm. find ways to start to reach outside of your internal friend group. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you make it famous, obviously they'll catch on and <laughs> they'll ride <laughs> the wave. Like but Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just take that when you're in, going through that phase of entrepreneurial journey, then realize that. And I guess the third phase i'm running Wait, into before you. we get into the okay. third it's so funny that we're having this conversation about you know your friends being supportive yeah. i had a conversation with my friend actually and him and i was just chopping it up and then he was like you know you really can't get mad at people who are not supporting you because you don't know what they're doing yeah. you know what you know with me having a podcast they could be telling their people you know come in face-to-face with people hey have you listened to their podcast it's pretty dope listen to this listen to that but of course they're not going to put it on social media because it's not something that you would post on social media oh girl i told you about i told this person about your your, uh, podcast people don't usually put everything that they do that 
whatever that they're doing as far as supporting, they may not always post it. So you never know what people are doing. You just got to continue on with your journey, continue on with what you got going on. And if they support you, cool. If they don't, they don't. You can't have that as a mind frame being an entrepreneur. And it took me a long time. I ain't going to lie. My friend Jonathan, shout out to Jonathan. He was like, are you calling yourself an entrepreneur yet? I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not. But I I guess it's like you mentioned, it's a mind frame that you have to do when you're an entrepreneur as far as the supporting wise, as far as, you know, you're going through your ups and downs. It's a total different mind frame, and it, you have to put yourself in certain situations. I agree. So I love that that you touched that. Yeah. Go ahead to point number three. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess even throughout that point, because when you mentioned you don't know what people are doing like offline or off social media, mm-hmm. when I mentioned that I, I, I'm getting people are reaching back out to me saying, hey, I heard about you, mm-hmm. I brought you up. It was through referrals through people that are having a general conversation. So these might have been people that haven't, you know, blasted me all over social media. Right. But they saw what I was doing. They associated it. They saw the hustle. They saw the persistence of it. Mm-hmm. And then they brought it up when the situation arose, you know, not on social media, but just person to person, which right. is better referrals in mm-hmm. cases. Um, and then at this point now when I'm getting all these requests, it's that mindset of, again, reiterating you know how do you replicate what you do mm-hmm. because if you're trying to um for example if you're trying to like be the best uh house builder ever mm-hmm. you know you can't n- hammer every nail in that house every single time yes you started out doing that by learning the process mm-hmm. but you're never going to get farther than um you know whatever you get paid to hammer nails in. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that price is, but (laughs) you'll never build yourself up higher than that level if you Mm -hmm. keep trying to do the same smaller task. Right. I've gotten to that point now where it's like, I used to teach quite often. Mm -hmm. I really don't even teach anymore Mm -hmm. because I have to let other people do that. I can start doing more as far as uh, building sales or building strategies or building um, systems in place so putting yourself in uncomfortable situations right Mm -hmm. so get a feel or understand you know when you get to the point of seeing success and seeing things that are building over time Mm -hmm. how do you replicate that that model where you're not always the person to do every little thing Mm, get you a team exactly what else you got you dropping (laughs) all the jewels no that's that's i've I've talked enough, you know. (laughs) I've got enough off my chest. (laughs) All right. And so um, after, you know, the interview conversation, I have a motivational moment. It could either be a Bible verse, a quote, affirmation, any of those. Just, you know, something that motivated me to keep me through the day or, you know, keep me throughout the week. This particular one is by Helen Keller. It says, optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. And so when I first read that particular quote, it's going in there, you know, whatever you're trying to achieve, make sure that you go in there saying, okay, I'm going to achieve this. Make sure that you have hope, a positive attitude. If you go in there with a bad attitude, you're going to get bad results. Mm -hmm. And so when I read that quote for me, it's like you have to be careful on, you know, what type of energy that you put into things because the energy that you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So. The quote again was... One more time, I yeah. got you. Okay. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Okay. What are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely believe that, you know, 
optimism is a lot of it because mm-hmm. entrepreneurial the journey is a long one it is. it's not an overnight success mm-hmm. um you know it really takes time to understand w- what you're doing and to figure out how to get your feet under you how do you actually feel like you're hitting a groove mm-hmm. and so you have to have that optimism you have to have that idea of when i do this activity it gets me into a happy place right um I learned that early in my engineering life when you're getting <laughs> bad grades. Um, then you have to figure out what the happy place was. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, you have to find those, uh, maybe it's a, a song you listen to that mm-hmm. you only associate it with like happy things. Or maybe it's an activity like taking um, a long, slow bubble bath and that only associates you with happy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really guided me as well too um mm-hmm. i have sort of like a playlist that i listen to every time that i'm only like really trying to get myself um excited about give us my... two songs <laughs> i'm excited give us two songs um so which one's the kendrick lamar verse where he calls out everybody um the control verse or the control okay. song by kendrick lamar okay what's another yeah. one um so I'm a big weekend fan. Okay. So he has a verse there. Uh, basically says, like, woke up, thank the Lord for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it goes off into some other not as, like, inspirational stuff. But, like <laughs> yeah, just woke up, yeah. thank the Lord for the day. Mm-hmm. And then I also touch on um, some Kirk Franklin, you know, motivational things back to when I was yes. my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that touches on that a lot, too. So those okay. are sort of, like, those ideas that I only associate with either working harder, being mm-hmm. optimism, being thankful that I got so far. Mm-hmm. And so I make sure I listen to my, like those songs to help and I train myself to do that. So I definitely like the idea of optimism, you know, the idea of hope, um, the idea of just building um, that understanding mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm fully a fan. Yes. All right, you guys. We have Harry Kennedy came in for episode number 11. This is What's Good Podcast. I thank you so much for coming in. You dropped a lot of jewels. I appreciate it. You really did. I really appreciate <laughs> you. Um, yes, this was a genuine conversation, not an interview. The vibe was nice. The vibe was right. Yeah. And don't forget, you guys, tune in every Monday. This is What's Good Podcast. Your girl, Brianna Javon. Thank you again. Have a great one. See you later. Hey guys, for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram at what's good underscore podcast or my personal account b.javon underscore. Javon is spelled J-O-V-A-H-N. You can catch me on Twitter, what's good underscore pod C for Charlie. And then you can also catch me on Facebook at what's good podcast. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe and also leave reviews for me to also see. And I can also respond back to you guys. Let me know what you're thinking of the podcast and any updates. Thank you. Have a good one.